Uh, welcome back. Derek Hansen, Tank McNamara producing. This is Couch Potato Radio here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. You can join us at any time, 237-5948-1800-880-5346. Again, we'll get more updates from CBS News about Iran launching U.S. missiles at, or I should say launching missiles at U.S. military facilities in Iraq. So obviously some serious global stuff going on there. But we'll try to lighten up a little bit, talking a little football with our good friend, longtime Viking beat writer with USA Today, now John Holler. Hello, John. How are you? It's too bad we didn't tape this. <laughs> yeah, well. But I'm doing good. We're putting the American band back together. Now, is that your... Uh your song selection, or was that Kate's song selection? It's it's always uh, Tank will maybe give me some suggestions every once in a while, but okay. I kind of stay out of that now. You're, yeah. I'm Good just you, I'm just here Good to hang you. out and be your sidekick, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> the second banana. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he's comfortable with that, though. If, if, you know, well, some people like to be the Robin, you know, and I'm not sure. Right. I, I can't fit in the spandex. Otherwise, I'd like to be a bad man, but that's a whole different story. Um, yes. Wow. Boy, the thought of me, digress. Yeah, the thought of me in spandex, that even grosses me out. Okay, I got to uh, throw you're, up. You're more of a movie villain. Yeah, let's <laughs> please move on because it's cold outside and we don't need to see that either. So. <laughs> It's like the more of the penguin. Why, movie. hello there. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, well, and uh, anyway, yes, yeah, so we got War and Iran and joking about me in a Batman suit. This is great. Um, the Vikings beat, beating the Saints, I guess, you know, a lot of people were surprised. I wasn't overly surprised, especially if you win the turnover ratio. Your take on the big playoff victory. I was, I, I think this was probably the signature game that I've seen for Zim coaching a defense. I mean, I had so little faith. I mean, you know, they put Hughes on injured reserve. Mackenzie Alexander is out. They were starting Sendejo in the slot. I mean, this should have been a 400-yard passing game for Drew Brees. I mean, it had all the earmarks of, ugh, this is when it gets bad. Because you only have two healthy, solid corners in Waynes and Rhodes, and the thought was Thomas is just going to own him up. But what Zim did, and I don't think it got nearly enough uh, pub, was moving Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter inside to the tackle spots on a lot of plays. And they were just blowing up the middle of their line. I mean, there were times where they have four defensive ends rushing, rushing on Breeze. And it's like, it's one thing if your tackles can keep Griffin and Daniil pushed to the outside and create a natural pocket. But when you've got one or both of them blowing up plays, you know, Drew Breeze doesn't fumble like that. Drew Breeze doesn't throw picks like that. It was, he was feeling the heat. And we, weren't, we didn't have to put a bounty on it. No. Which is, which is another plus. No, that's for sure. Yeah, it was almost... That's the greatest game I've seen from a Zim coach team. You know, it's funny because you always say to beat the Saints, you have to have pressure up the middle. Who would have thunk taking the smaller guys is going to do that? But, you know, speed kills. John Randall proved that being one of the best defensive tackles ever. I mean, that can work against certain teams. Right. And the thing about it was, was you knew that the Saints were going to try something hinky. They always do. You know, they... I smelled that fake punt coming about two miles away. Unfortunately for them, it uh, they had a they weren't lined up right, right. so they got a penalty that brought it back, and then they ended up punting. But 
those are the types of things that you expect to see from New Orleans. We're going to show you something. You could, you've watched every game we've played this year. We're going to show you two or three things you have not seen. That's just a guarantee with him. What they did with moving Hunter and, and Griffin inside was something that they didn't really, I mean, until the fourth quarter, they didn't really find an answer to it, which is, you know, half of football is – okay, if we're doing something right, especially defensively, we're going to keep on doing it until you stop it. Whereas offensively, you mix things up and try to keep them off balance wherever you can. They knew the Vikings were coming with that. You know, middle of the first quarter, they were aware of this. And they really did not have an answer for it almost the entire game. What was your, I mean, as far as moving Sandejo in, I guess it really wasn't crazy, especially as much as they like to have Michael Thomas and so having Thomas in sometimes and just the way they are able to kind of have these bigger guys on him. And Xavier Rhodes, for whatever reason, Ron Johnson said it on Viking Fan Line, he just does better against the Julio Jones and Thomas types of guys much more than he does the quick shifty guys. Right. And, you know, he's he's had his bad moments. Uh, you know, the touchdown to Taysom Hill, I'm not sure whose fault that was because – if Harry turns his back and takes off with Hill, he's going to throw a screen to Kamara, who's going to be wide open right. with about 20, 30 yards to go. So somebody blew that coverage, and I don't think it was Harry. You know what I mean? He's the one who looks bad because he's chasing him down. But he had two choices on that play, and when Breeze looked him off like he's going to throw it to Kamara, he's like, okay, that's the choice I have to make. Because I think he thought Hill was going to be blocking him to keep to give Kamara an opening. But well, when I saw the replay, yeah, when I saw the replay of it, it looked like both uh, Kendricks and Smith got caught peeking in, where Kendricks probably should have went out for the running back, and and, and Smith was supposed to go to the. It was just, it was just a classic, you know, chess match of Peyton versus Zimmer, too, right? I mean, that's pretty much what it comes right. down to, right? And like I said, when we had talked last, and there was, you know, I, I believe there were still possibilities to take place, and. What we were looking at was, okay, they're not going to win the division. You know, even if they had beaten Green Bay, all Green Bay has to do is beat Detroit. You know, that game needs to mean something. And, you know, I don't think anybody would have given Detroit a chance because, you know, because of the uh, better record in the division, they would have won in the event of a tie. Right. So the when we're looking at it, for my money, New Orleans was the one team I did not want to face. Because you, you, you knew it would be in New Orleans. I'm like, I don't fear going into San Francisco. I The Vikings went into Seattle and should have won, but they do what they do, you know? Uh, they when just they're on the road in prime time, they just don't bring it, you know? And fortunately, this game's at 3.30 in the afternoon, 1.30 their time, so uh, we, we don't really have to worry about uh, Kirk Cousins in prime time yet. But... <laughs> Uh, and the games aren't played on Monday, so that's the other thing. So. Exactly, we got that going for us. So, but <laughs> it's it's one of those that if you know everybody talks about the Vikings being a, a big running team offensively. They've got they ended the year with like it was I think it was like four seventy six for carries, which is a lot. You know that's twenty five a game or thirty a game. Excuse me, 
and for 2,133 yards and 19 touchdowns. That is a big number for a rush offense. While San Francisco has 498 for 2,305 and 23 touchdowns. So this game could get over in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For a, right. a primetime game because the, both teams are averaging like four and a half a, a carry. And uh, Mostert, I don't know I, I don't know how much you've seen of him. This kid can move. He is impressive. But now, what's your take on San Francisco? I, th- I think it, it, we're talking about two teams that are very similar, so that's going to be an interesting part. I mean, I think, obviously, you have Daniel Hunter, who's becoming a superstar on the defensive line for the Vikings. Nick Bosa, who's a rookie phenom right now for the 49ers. They both like to do play-action pass. I mean, this is going to be a, a real interesting game as far as that's concerned. You're seeing two teams that like to run the ball and then you know really pass off of that. I, th- I find that fascinating. And the one thing I wish with all the goofy metrics that they come up with, because I've been a long believer that tendency metrics work in football, but you can't compare a team going up against Baltimore one week and Cincinnati the week after that. Do you know what I mean? Because Cincinnati is not going to give you what Baltimore did. And the thing that's sad is the Vikings have had games where they were winning big and they just take their foot off the gas. You know, you look at uh, Atlanta, Oakland, Philadelphia, games like that where they had a big lead, and but in the fourth quarter, they give up 200 yards. So you look at the final end line number and it's like, wow, the Vikings gave up 350 yards. And it's like, yeah, but 250 of it was in the fourth quarter when they're ahead by three touchdowns, you know, so who really cares? But when you look at it in, I've always figured to win a NFL game, especially a playoff game, you need to score about 24 points is, is a good number. And the Vikings have allowed 24 or less 14 times this year to other teams. So if you can score 24, if you're the Vikings, you should win. And so the question becomes, do you think the Vikings can score 24 against San Francisco? And they're very good defense, that's for sure. John Hollers with us from USA Today, longtime Viking, a beat writer, been a frequent friend of many of my shows over the years here. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you, Tank McNamara producing. What was your take? Because it just won't go away. The last play and all the the national pub, but I, I think the one of the worst guys that John Perry is on ESPN. He doesn't have a clue. He he was saying on Saturday, look, Watson's short of the first of the line to gain. I'm like, no, he's not. And even Booger McFarland's like, not. Here's my take: Was it you know, offensive pass interference? May maybe, but no one wants to talk about PJ Williams being all over Rudolph. I don't understand why everyone's ignoring that part of it and trying to justify that as well. You can do some stuff within five yards. Like, well, the Vikings had a loss. They were on the four. That was towards the back of the end zone. I, I just I don't understand. I like the fact that that was a no call. I wouldn't have wanted to see offsetting penalties or go one way or the other. Right. I mean, uh, they came up with this rule because there was a blatant takeout by the guy from the Rams. Mm-hmm. You know, just blew him up. Didn't even look at the ball. You know, had no interest. He thought he was going to score a touchdown, so he's just trying to blast him. And it doesn't get called. And so that's the that's the reason that rule is in place. It always takes one to, you know, Anthony Barr is the reason why coming down with your body weight on a quarterback is now a penalty. You know. Unless you're Jadavia Clowney, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, 
the second time Wentz's head hit, you know, he hit him in the head and then his head hit the turf. The second one kind of negates it. So I'm just kidding. But no, that's, I mean, are people just apoplectic up there about that? Well, they're, they're a little bit upset. The fact that there wasn't a penalty. I mean, they understand, you know, stuff happens, but it was a little strange considering that we've seen so many penalties. And, And like I've said many times, whether it be, Offensive lineman holding, or you look at a situation like Thielen and his holding call, or you look at uh, you know that, that contact that those two guys have with each other, Williams and Rudolph. I always I use the analogy of you know getting those speeding tickets. Right, it's the you can get a speeding right. ticket going sixty six and a fifty five, and sometimes you get a warning for going seventy two and a fifty five. Both are illegal, but you know just some are going to get called, some aren't. And I like the fact I want the NFL to get to a point where what happened on Sunday that's a no call because I didn't think Williams was in good position. People have tried to argue with me he was playing the ball. I didn't see him look back once. Yes. He didn't. No, I mean it's just it's ridiculous to say so. I mean you're you're trying to lie watching the video if you say anything otherwise. But so right, the closest he came to seeing the ball was when Rudolph fully extended his right arm and pushed his head back. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Which by strict interpretation of the rule is pass interference, but it just it kills me just how polarized people have to be one way or the other on that because. I'm like, to me, whatever happened, oh, they're letting them go. Yes. You know, that was the thing. They're letting them play. And how many times do you see guys, I mean, it's a skill to grab a guy's elbow right close to your body so the ref can't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're trying to pick each other's pockets out there. They're trying to hit them, you know, take them off their route just a little bit without getting a pass interference. I was like, if he makes the catch, because the odds of making that catch, I mean, the biggest problem the Saints had on that play was they put a guy who's like eight inches shorter than Rudolph guarding him single coverage. Right. I mean, you, you, you saw it live, right? Yes. Okay. I, he's a tiger. I didn't, I didn't call pass interference. Yeah. The, no. When, okay. When you saw that single, single high on Rudolph before the snap, I said, Rudy right here. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is your shot because you rarely see one-on-one outside on receivers when it's obvious that you're not going to run it from the five. Well, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially since the pitch play to the left was always getting stonewalled. I don't know why they weren't running. I mean, they always run that to the right all year and it worked. Ron Johnson brought that up too. I was like, what are they doing here? This is opposite of what's worked all year long. Right. And it's, you know, again, they're trying to show them things they haven't seen. Well, there's a reason they haven't seen it because it don't work. <laughs> you know, so that's an issue all the time. Well, here's my take. And my, my take, okay. getting back to the past interference, is when, when you see a situation, because I've seen Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes or whatever get called for defensive pass interference for less than what Williams did. You know what I'm getting at? I mean, I, I right, and, right. And, and so my point is if you cannot scream John Perry and all these former official guys who are getting paid by ESPN or whatever, you can't come out and say, well, that does look like offensive pass interference. I don't disagree with that. But it also looks like the, there's grabbing of the arm, and I don't care. You don't need your thumb underneath the guy's, you know, it doesn't need to be a wrap for it to be a grab, right? And grabbing the shoulder. Right. I mean, I, I just I don't understand how you can ignore what P.J. Williams did by just focusing on what Rudolph did. That's uh, that's absurd to me. Man, this one did get you fired up. Well, but just because I think the problem. I got, I got two happy words for you. I got two happy words for you, though. 
We that. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> well, you, you, here's why it upsets me, because this has been an issue with me all along. I would like to see the game get to the point where I don't want to see grabbing and tackling off the line of scrimmage, but I want to see them let them hand fight, push, and not get rewarded for bad passes. You see quarterbacks get rewarded for bad passes all the time. Yep, and I, and yep. I'd like to see it almost be like a game of 500. Reward guys for running good routes. I, I mean, I don't care. You know, Let pick plays happen. I think it makes for a better game if they're able to just let them play instead of having us always wonder about whether or not we get a speeding ticket or w- whether or not we get a warning. Does that make sense? Because I think to look at a play like that and for everyone to say, because I'll tell you, yeah, many times I've seen that called offensive pass interference. I've seen it called defensive pass interference. Rarely do sometimes maybe you see offsetting penalties. Most of the time you see it non-called. And for us to say that it's distinctively one thing or another, like some of these clowns like John Perry, I don't get it. And if we want that to be a flag, then we're ruining this game, in my opinion. That's why I'm so adamant about this. Oh yeah, no, I mean the, the you know. It, I'm not blaming any one person in particular, but I think it's fantasy football that has changed the way football is played and football is called. They've always, it's always been a game that at least in the last 20, 25 years when they started relaxing the rules. I mean, when cornerbacks could beat up wide receivers going down the field, it was a defense dominated game. Once they put that five yard restriction in, then boy, Nelly, the everything started changing. And, the NFL is becoming a, the college game more and more and more where they look at their quarterbacks as four year, four year guys, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm serious where it's like, okay, if uh, Marcus Mariota doesn't work out, Jameis Winston, I don't think either one of those guys is with his team next year. Right. No, I, don't, no, I don't disagree. And with you. It's one of those that gave him a shot. They said, we're going to give you four years like, like they did in college. And if you get better, if you're good as a senior, we're bringing you back for grad school, you know? And no, they gone. And it's, I don't know, it's it's just become a game where the fantasy football side of it, the protection of quarterbacks, the you know, the protection of allowing him to, unless you've got a great defense, allowing a quarterback just to stand back there with impunity and just fire darts down the field. It's made the game something that the fans want, you know, you never see a 13, nine game that was dominated by defense, but well played on the game of the week. You know, you, the one where they replay it on NFL network sure. on a Wednesday or something yeah, let's what just, you see yeah. is the 48, 46 game between uh, San Francisco and, and New Orleans. You know, you see the the game last year with the Rams and the Chiefs that is just like, wow, this is a pinball game. That's what they want. And in order to get that, all you have to do is call more flags on defenses and allow drives to keep going. And that's what's happened more and more and more. I mean, you ask defensive players about the way the game is called, you know, Everybody thinks that it's the other guy. You know, it's like, hey, I play clean. I don't do that. And when you watch, it's like, yeah, you do. And <laughs> they're just making it harder and harder on, on defenders. And that's why I see when you, you know, sometimes depending on the mentality of the defender, they get frustrated. And that's when you see a guy whip a guy when he's five yards out of bounds because he's just like, they haven't let me touch you all day. I, I'm going for it. 
Final couple of questions here with John Holler from the USA Today, Derek Hansen, Tate McNamara, Couch Potato Radio here on KFGO. You mentioned quarterbacks uh, four years, what have you. Will the Vikings have Kirk Cousins for another year after this one? Was this the moment that he needs to get over that hump? I mean, I guess we'll find out Saturday, but it certainly was probably the drive of his career. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Thielen made a great catch. How he caught it without getting either hand on the, you know, it hit his chest first and then his elbows before he actually got his hands on it. But what it reminded me of was earlier in the season when the when they had a chance to kind of put a foot on Chicago's throat and, and you know, just steal momentum away from him, had the exact same pass, and he overthrew him. I don't think you could have thrown a better pass in a bigger situation. You know, it's overtime in a playoff game on the road. And you drop back and you see the coverage you want on the play that you've called. And he dropped that thing perfect. I mean, the my problem has always been, okay, can you do it again? Yeah. You know, because consistency is what makes quarterbacks great. I mean, Aaron Rodgers can look like a dog during games. You know, the last three times the Vikings have played New Orleans, Drew Brees hasn't gone over 100 passing yards until well into the second half. They have found found ways to, per, you know, his final numbers look a lot better, but for three quarters you hold him down. You should win those games. And I guess that's where the, you know, can the Vikings sustain this? Can Cousins be that guy? I think Kirk Cousins got himself another contract with that game. Yeah, and I, if, if obviously if they win on Saturday, they're going to extend him. But I honestly think that if he doesn't lose them the game on Saturday, he is back with the Vikings for more. I don't think they'll allow him to go into the last year of his deal because they don't want to get back into franchising Kirk Cousins again <laughs> right. for a third time, two teams. Well, I think if anything, uh, he he might restructure for more guaranteed money for more years, right? I mean, that's what I kind of right. see happening. Yeah, I, I think that's. Yeah. I think after Sunday that might happen, even no matter unless it's really just ugly and he looks, you know, like he did in Chicago. I guess is more than anything right. else. Um, you know, because the Vikings have absolutely no no leverage because his entire contract is guaranteed cash, so we know what he's getting. Exactly. You know, so. Final mystery there. Final thing here, just how the game is going to play out. I see it as, you know, who gets to the quarterback more? Daniil Hunter can, you know, make sure that Garoppolo doesn't slip around in the pocket. And the uh, same thing with uh, Nick Bose and the gang, making sure that they don't get in Kirk Cousins' grill all the time and who runs the ball. Am I simplifying it too much? Outside of turnovers, no. which is obvious. No, I mean, that's, uh, I think, how both teams are looking at it in a nutshell, you know. But the thing that, that I wonder about with San Francisco is, you know, you look at it for the Vikings to get to the Super Bowl, they had to beat a 13 and three team. They'll have to beat another 13 and three team on the road. And if green Bay takes care of its business at home against Seattle, they would have to be yet another 13 and three team to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not sure that's ever had to be done by anybody that you have to beat three teams on the road who won 13 during the regular season. But when you look at, at San Francisco down the stretch, they should have, they lost to uh, Baltimore. They should have lost to new Orleans. If not for a midfield hail Mary, they put them in position to kick that field goal in that 48, 46 game. They lost at home to Atlanta. They beat the Rams by three 
and they for they were what less than a yard away from losing to Seattle and being the five right. seed. I mean, that's how close things are. So I'm not sure the Vikings are going to beat them because, you know, they're coming off a game playing in six days where San Francisco's had two weeks off. But I think they can give them everything they want. And the only thing that I worry about with the Vikings is if they fall behind early. Because if they fall behind early, they're going to abandon the run, which I, which I still think is their best weapon. And then we'll find out, you know, if they get double digits down, then we'll find out where Kirk Cousins is at. Well, that's a very good point. Should be interesting. The other factor, of course, is the George Kittle factor. I mean, he's he's become the best tight end in the, in the NFL, and he is a threat. And he, he ate up the Vikings two years ago at the U.S. Bank Stadium. So, yes, sir. Yeah, so we shall and, see. And keep an eye on Emmanuel Sanders. He yep. doesn't get out the pub that he deserves. I mean, he is a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL. Very good. John, oh, I hopefully he doesn't prove it. Yeah, no, that's exactly. No, you're right. I mean, this could really be a big coming out party for him if he hasn't had a few in prime time already this year. John, I appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you very soon down the road here. Hopefully we don't have to do a season wrap up next week, but uh, we'll keep in touch. Stay warm, brother. We'll try. John Holler with us, USA Today, longtime Viking beat writer. Derek Hansen with you, Tank McNamara.